Okay. Welcome to another episode of the Relax Just Love podcast, vegan edition. I am with Ikram Durrani. He is uh, currently in Dubai from the UK. He is an entrepreneur that is following his dream. How awesome is that? <laughs> so how are you doing today? I'm all right, thank you. How are you doing? It's Friday afternoon. I work in sales. We normally don't work very hard on Friday afternoon. So my weekend has started. I'm good. That's great. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast. And uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. And uh, we are all doing it for the animals. So I'm happy to help the cause. Listen, the pleasure is all mine. I, I had to ask, you're, <clears throat> sorry, you're somebody that rides bike. I just found a new passion into it. So, of course, a vegan motorcycle enthusiast, I had to speak with you. I had to. <laughs> I awesome. absolutely had to. You're a motorcycle, you're a motocross guy though, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I do all types of riding, actually. So, I have spent most of my life riding motorcycles. So, ever since I was three years old, I've been riding bikes. So that, that gives me almost three decades of motorcycle riding. So the reason I do it, because I discovered it was fun very early in life. And I've said the same thing to a lot of people saying that, guys, motorcycling is the most fun thing you can ever do and just go ahead and do it. But always people will be like hesitant and scared. They yeah. try to get opinions from people who have nothing to do with motorcycling. You know, so yeah, I do it because I love it. And today I have companies which teach people how to ride. So not just with motorcycles, but also with quads and uh, UTVs. So anything extreme fun, I go after it. And that's what I do for a living now. That's awesome. Listen, yeah. the, I grew up on bikes. Like as a kid, I remember my parents both have motorcycle. My dad had a big gold wing. I don't know if you know what those are. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I remember CC, yes. five, six years old, just holding on to my dad's back and we're just riding everywhere we're going. So, but it took me, man, it took me 35, 35 years to get into it. <laughs> and I always said okay. later, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Yeah. I'll do it later. And this year I just said, you know what? Screw this. I'm doing it. Yeah, that's and, amazing. That's really good. You know, I I did the certification. The day after I passed the exam, I bought a bike. A week okay. and a half after that, I left for three and for three weeks camping on my bike, and I did about four thousand kilometers. That's amazing. Yeah, that's it was that's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> that's Absol a good first ride. <laughs> <laughs> Everything happened to my enduro. It broke okay. down. I had to go to the garage. People has helped me. I was stuck in sand it was awesome absolutely right. absolutely awesome that's great why why motocross um well because look if you i since i was a kid i have been driven to go after the hard things in life so if there's anything easy i don't go after it i just abandon it and i choose something which is a lot more difficult and then go after it so that that's been that's always been my goal because other people would just look at the easy way of doing things and get it done. But I would look at the most hardest way and doing it, not because I have something to prove to other people, but I, I have to prove something to me. 
So that's why. Now, if you look at uh, the riding, the desert riding is one of the most toughest things you can do for your mind, for your body, for your skill level, everything. And I happened to be fortunate enough to come to Dubai in 2007 and get on a quad the next day and then realize how much amazing it is to ride a bike in the desert. And then uh, now I have 14 years of desert riding and racing under my belt. So I've done a couple of rallies also. And then uh, I won the first rally that I did for my category, even though it was my first rally. So I'm like, you know, this is, this is, this is what I do. So I see all the other people trying their best and struggling with it. And because I happen to be at the top of my game, it was like a walk in a park for me. So I was sleeping two hours a day, three hours a night, and then just riding a bike for the whole day. So that was a rally called the Desert Storm. Five days. I heard about it. I've heard five about days, it. 2,700 kilometers. So that's, that's a lot of riding. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing, does it hurt as much when you fall? Like in sand, does it hurt as much as asphalt? It depends. It depends on what speed you fall in. So yeah, if you look course. at any of the top guys, they are riding at speeds at 130 kilometers an hour. So say roughly 90 miles. Yeah. So if you fall at that speed, it's going to hurt a lot. <laughs> you know? But sand is the softest place to fall. So if you're falling at 20, 30, 40 kilometers an hour, it doesn't hurt at all. Yeah. You know, that's most people's riding speed anyway. There are very few guys who actually hammer it down the straightaways and get up to those speeds. Yeah. What would you say the average is? You said like 20, 30 40, kilometers? 40, 50 kilometers an hour. 40, oh, yeah. Okay. 50, that sounds about 60. right. Cause... Yeah, that's that's a very reasonable. That's a fast speed for the desert anyway, because the desert is changing rapidly. And then in the dunes, what happens is you're not prepared for what's coming up next because there could be a 40 foot drop off, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's unpredictable. So if you think going fast on the streets, okay, let me explain it to you. All the fast guys on the street bikes come to the desert and ask me where the clutch and the brake is. That's the kind of mental stress desert riding puts on to people. Oh, you mean they forget? They forget, they forget. where the clutch and the they brake panic. is? Oh, damn. Yes. <laughs> wow, jeez. Yeah. That is... Listen, I've never done it. I would love to do it. It sounds like it, it, it would be an amazing time. I've never actually ridden a, a pure motocross before. Okay. No, you should I've... do it. Because look, the, the desert is the most amazing place to ride. Uh, I don't know what kind of desert you have in Canada. I don't think you have a desert in Canada. No. But in USA, you have. You need to cross borders and go yeah. to Utah or Glamis. Yeah. Or these places. Yeah. There is uh, Arizona. Yeah, Arizona also has a lot of desert, right? There is a. Uh, I live near um, inter inter intercountry uh, trails, yeah. as we call we can call them. In okay. the winter, they're for uh, skidoos, and in the summer, they're mostly quads and motorcycle. But That's we amazing. do have uh, sand dunes all over right. the place, though, on that. So maybe I should try it. Yeah, no, not maybe. I should go try it next no, year. No, you should. You should look. Yeah. You have already opened up the the first page of the book okay now you yep. got to go through the rest of the pages because you know what you're missing for so long now and you know <laughs> i've had my i had my first accident uh, about a month ago right and i had the right equipment on except my gloves okay. i wasn't wearing my gloves as you can, i don't know if you can tell but scratched up 
I'll yeah, see well, I, I burned, see it. I burned right. my hands all over the place. Like they're still hurting. I think I broke my uh, my left thumb, but okay. I had the jacket. It is okay. burnt from okay. elbow all the way to right. the shoulder, but nothing, nothing at all. It's the, the coat That's is still good. That's amazing. But, That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going about 70, 80 kilometers an hour wow. in a curve. I, I caught something that slipped. Okay. Literally, my face is over there. My ass was right next to me. <laughs> so I just dumped on my right side. Right. I just let myself fall and just let the bike go so it wouldn't fall okay. on me. Okay. I got up. My hands are bloody. I'm bleeding everywhere. I'm right Ooh. in front of a, of a house because I'm in the middle of nowhere. Right. And they were more freaked out than I was because they got out of the of the house to help me out. And I'm just okay. shaking my hands like that because I keep on bleeding everywhere. Wow. And they're like, are you okay? I come from a fighting background. I'm like, yeah, exactly. no worries. I've broken my fight. nose. Yeah. Like, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Putting the gloves, the gloves on did suck though. When your your right. hands are all open. By the time yeah. I got home, you take the gloves off and it rips the top skin layer right. off of the yeah. Well, but it's part of the game. You do you agree that if you're gonna ride a bike, you're gonna you're gonna fall? Like there oh, you would look, it's like I tell I tell people all the time, right? So I've had more crashes than most people have even rode in their life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because I want to do something better and better and better, you know. It's, it's that's the way that's the way humans are. I mean, you know when you go get into the ring is the same thing for you. You want to try something new and get more better, get, get better. But sometimes you get your ass whooped because you try some, something which you don't re, you don't really have the full control of. You it know? happens. So, yeah. That's the same thing with the bike. So with the bike it's uh, the reality, the, the bike reality checks you a lot quicker than you think, you know? So you try some move that the bike doesn't like, it's going to hand it to you straight off. You either have it completely or you don't have it at all, you know? <laughs> so to get, to get to that point, it takes a bit of time. But look, when, when we're all kids and we are trying to learn to walk, do you remember how many times you've fallen down? No. Thousands of times. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Every time you fall down, you get back up and you continue to walk. And yep. that's what makes you what you, what a human. And you can walk, you can run, you can skip, jump, everything. But if you give, give up one time when you fall down, you're never going to get to being a normal functioning human being. So nope. the same thing with the bikers. If you crash, you got to get back up on the, on the bike again and go for it. Then you become a be better biker. And it usually takes a few crashes to become a good biker. <laughs> you know? <laughs> if you're the pro level, you need to break yep. a couple of bones. Then you get to the pro level. <laughs> yeah. You know, the most, the, the funniest thing is I did, like I said, my first trip was three weeks, right. 4,000 kilometers later, did okay. not fall once. Okay. I go to a place that's about an hour and a half from here. On my right. way back, I just told, I crashed my bike. It's not, it's the dumbest, dumbest thing. You have because to pay you, attention, right? Yeah, there, there is a very important rule about motorcycles is... Uh, we always dress up for the slide, not for the ride. So that's the most important thing. Regardless of how long your commute is, yeah. you always dress up. Because that tarmac at 50 kilometers an hour becomes like a grinding paper. You yeah. know? So it's always good to dress up. Never ride around in jeans and you know, stuff like that. That's just, that's just too risky if you really value yourself. Um, and then, yeah, but you know, if 
any crash you can walk away from is always a good crash, you know? And, and the worst part, it was the first time I wasn't wearing my gloves is when I left, it was like 35 degrees Celsius okay. and I was stuck in traffic. I was in a city. So it was red light right. after red light. So I took the gloves off, never put them right. back on. And that's the only place I got burned is my okay. hands. All the rest, <laughs> yeah. my boots are destroyed. Like I can rip, I, I could rip them open, but okay. nothing to my feet, nothing to my body. And right. I'm heavily tattooed. Like I'm tattooed. I have okay. sleeves. Uh, you don't want to lose that, that on the street. I right? would. On where I was, I would have had pieces of rocks everywhere. I would have had to go to the hospital to get them removed. I would have messed up okay. my arms. But then okay. I just walked away like not no problem. My 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 bike is scratched. My cell phone, can you believe my cell phone went flying 30 feet in the air? Wow. Fell. I picked it up, not a scratch, put it back in no my way. pocket. <laughs> what is it? Is it a Samsung or an iPhone? No, it's a Samsung. Uh, no wonder. <laughs> <laughs> it was you know there's a there's an attachment you can put yeah. on the bike so that you're, you you use your right. phone as your gps yes okay that piece snapped off okay. sent the thing flying in the air but i right. picked up the phone i'm like come on it's not broken but i've dropped my phone from less than a feet from the ground and i've broken it it's <laughs> it's and the, also you always crash uh soon as you let your guard down so yeah. say you're, cl you're close to your, most accidents happen when you're close to your home or your office because you let your guard down, you're like, okay, I'm almost there. Yeah. It's like, is this is the equivalent to cars in unhooking your seatbelt, yeah. you know? So you get closer to your destination, you're like, okay, I'm almost there. You unhook your seatbelt, somebody backs up, you go into the back, you know? Yeah. So it's the same on the bike. It, it was a fraction of a second. I wasn't paying attention and I, 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 okay. I caught the, uh, you know, the patches of road that's been repaired like oh, yeah. the, right. yeah, the, yeah. the glue that they put in yeah. the tire does not grip on that whatsoever no, no, no. and the bike just whoop, just went off okay okay live and learn though i i jump back right on the bike the adrenaline's going like this my hands are shaking but i'm like <laughs> you gotta go back on the bike you can't be scared of riding your bike so get back on that bike and go home that's good that's awesome what do that's you hilarious. think that um because i got a feeling that you're you go balls to the walls, as we say here. You go balls to the walls on pretty much everything that you do. And bike is just something yeah. that showed you to live your life the way you want to live it. Screw what other people think and just do what you have to do. Yeah, pretty is much. That... Because uh, I've tried to fit in with other people uh, ever since I was in school, right? And I would see the other kids playing football and cricket and basketball and all of that as the years went by and I've pretty much played every sport but it doesn't get me excited or interested as much as the motorcycles and then uh, motorcycles and cars if you're a man look it's in your DNA and if you're fighting no that's the most simple way you can put it if you're fighting that and not doing it because of whatever reason then you're just fooling yourself into believing that you're something else you know, because look, you, you're into combat sports, right? It makes, it makes us happy to be in combat sports, right? It, it makes, to give somebody an ass whooping makes you happy. Get your, get your ass whooped also makes you happy, you know? And you're sitting about it, laughing with your opponent and still drinking beer or whatever after the match, you know? But it makes everybody happy. So things like this, you always need to do it. Motorcycling happens to be one of those things. You do it, 
it's going to make you feel like a man, you know, because you got something between your legs, which is vibrating, you know, and thrusting you in the air. And you are like, man, this is amazing. Back in the days, people like me and you, we would probably be riding dragons, but we don't have that option today. <laughs> you know, we don't. Not anymore. Yeah, we don't. So that's why we can, we can just do what we can afford and what we can get our hands on. So those are motorcycles, sports cars. If you're lucky, you can fly the small planes and stuff like that. But all of these get your blood pumping, you know, and these are exciting things. So that's I, why if you, if you introduce somebody to motorcycling and cars at an early stage, they will never have money for doing drugs because all of that money gets channelized into, into these things. <laughs> they say the same thing about fighting. If you get somebody in martial yeah. art at a young age, they'll yeah. never do drugs. They won't have the time. No yeah, money, exactly. no time. You're there training. Yeah. But it's funny because uh, my best friend's always, he's from France. He's always wanted to, uh, to get a motorcycle. After okay. I got mine, he just actually, he just got his license yesterday. Okay. That's amazing. That's see, that's what happens. Yeah. We, we inspire each other. Yeah, so absolutely. I have trained people of every age group. And the only thing everybody said, tells me is like, oh my God, this is so much fun. Why didn't I do this earlier? I'm like, hey, look, you didn't do it earlier because you had, you had made those choices in life. Because look, as men, we are providers. As men, we are protectors. So we put our families before everything else. So if a man starts working at 20, he's going to sacrifice his whole life for his family. So he's, he's going to take care of his wife. He's got mortgage payments to make. It doesn't matter what dead-end job he's doing but he will embrace the suck and he will continue to do it for his wife, for his kids. If he's got a sick mom and he's taking care of his mom or his father, whoever family comes first, that's what it is. He will let go of the whole world. He will do a sucker job for decades together. Never complain about it. That's what we all do, you know? And then at some point in life, say your troubles are over and you're making more money. Then you look back and you're like, ah, oh, great. I got this excess money. What does this candy shop offer me? You know, let me go in and try. And that's when men in their say 40s or 30s and 40s, whenever they start making surplus money, they go walk into the candy shop and start buying everything that they want. And then people call it the midlife crisis, but there's no such thing for men. We don't have a midlife crisis because we get to 20, we stay at 20 until we die, you know, because you can always go meet with teenager kids, boys, and crack jokes, which they understand, and they will crack, crack jokes, that, which you understand, and you will have that same bonding going on, you know? And then they'll be like, bro, can I, can I come over to your place and you can teach me how to work on my car? You'll be like, yeah, no problem. Bring it over to the garage on Sunday. We'll work on the car together, you know? <laughs> That's missing, though. That, I don't know where, uh, I don't know in uh, Dubai or in the UK, but I can tell you that In Canada, at least, those guides, those mentors, those older men teaching yeah. younger men, they're not present anymore. Very, very hard to find a good okay. guide nowadays. And unfortunately, men, we want to be led. We want to have somebody we can look up to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we tend, we tend to, if we don't have that fatherly figure, we tend to yeah. try to find it for ourselves. And we normally yeah. don't know where to look and we follow people we should not be following true 
it's uh, i think it, it's more to do with the way the society is behaving now because look we've gone from joint family systems i mean everywhere in the world it used to be the same way so you would always have family gatherings on sundays or whatever day your country offs on because in dubai it's a friday yeah. so in different most of the western countries it's sundays yeah. so you would have family gatherings where your uncles would come by so your uncle would have a motorcycle or a cool car there would always be that cool uncle in your family would be a <laughs> motorhead you know and all the other uncles would be like ah uh, he's immature but immature <laughs> is the word used to describe fun people by lame people <laughs> you know it's always going to be like that and then i think that's that's the part which is missing because we've gone from a society full of very close relatives and you know like interactive uh interactive families to being nuclear families and then in the covid times you're not even allowed to be um visiting your own family so we've i think a lot of destruction has happened over the years to keep people separated and isolated and live pretty much in their own bubbles you know because people are just moving out of town because before you used to have your same college or university kids grow up together and then live in the pretty much the same area all their life but all of that is gone now so different people are different places doing different things and because people are constantly moving from one country to another country their positions become a lot lesser so everybody's packing light so if you if you were to have a garage with a car and everything you need space for that and you need a permanent structure so all of that is gone wiped out and then also the other issue now is if an old man say he is 40 and he's hanging with kids people are going to be like wait is he a pedophile like for what are you talking about you know like <laughs> it's it's absolutely ridiculous you know but that's the way men are so the men, the men who are 40 years old they are like bro why why would i want to be called a pedophile for doing something good for somebody you know i'm just trying to help a kid get ahead in life i would rather stay out of that mess it's not worth it let me just mind my own business how <laughs> you know? this is that you're hitting me right on the heart on that one because that bothers the hell out of me Yeah. If how much I would have given when I was 14 years old to have somebody smack me in the back of the head and say, "Dude, what the fuck are you doing?" Having somebody that would have taken the time to be there for me. And then what this is what my goal in life is to do is to be able to be that person for younger men, and it is true that if you do it, you can be seen as a pedophile. You can be seen as somebody that's weird, that somebody and all you want to do is just to be the person you did not have growing up it's that yeah, because, simple because uh, men have just become softer over generations like if you see today's men most men are wearing women's pants and roaming around the streets what do you expect with that you know like and all of a sudden there uh, if there was an invasion today it would be much easier to take over a country you know <laughs> with the quality of men which is just demasculated if you look at okay people like you who go to the gym and actually do stuff you know to be manly you know because all, all of these are manly qualities right but we are the front front line if some shit goes wrong tomorrow 
if somebody breaks into our house, they're not walking out. That's for sure. You know, but if somebody breaks into a regular man's house, he's going to kill off the whole family. And there's no man in the house to defend the burglars, you know. So that's, that's the way it's become now with the society and everything. And even I try really hard to be that guy to, to, to tell people to do what's right as a man, you know, do what's right. Don't, don't think about the society's judgments because people are going to judge you anyway, you know. If you're happy, you're making money, you're doing good things for everybody around you, you got nothing to fear. You you hit the nail, you had the head on the nail, the nail on the head right there. This is the problem. Men, yeah. and I will speak to men because I'm not a woman, so I don't speak for I I I don't know how to speak for them, but I can speak for a man. A man nowadays is scared. They're scared of everything. There's and it's okay. You know what? It's okay to be scared. But it's, it seems like we're lacking courage because we tend to believe that courage means that there's a lack of fear. Courage means that you continue doing what you're supposed to do, even though there is fear. That's courage. And it seems like in today's society, we've forgot that we are here to do. Listen, the perfect example you just use about I've done martial art most of my life. I'm somebody that knows how to fight with weapons. I know how to fight with guns. I know how to fight. Name it. I've trained with it. And you know what? Step into my house. See what happens. I live in the middle of nowhere. You call the police around here? I've seen one police in four years. One. One time. It will take them an hour to get here if you call the police. You know what? how much damage somebody can do to you in an hour? <laughs> I have two German shepherds here. Absolutely. You All think right. I have German, I, I love dogs, absolutely right. love dogs. I've had them for most of my life and will have them the rest of my life. Try to try to hurt my girlfriend. See what happens to you. I don't need to be around. My dog will kill you. They will not allow you to do anything to her. Yeah, that's, 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 uh, look, in the UK, if a burglar breaks into your house and you beat up the burglar. You're in shit. You go to, yep. you go to prison. Yep. The burglar yep, walks out free. Yep. I'm like, okay, look, the only way I can solve that one is if a burglar breaks into my house, he's going to go missing. He's not going to be found. <laughs> well, you know what? In Canada, it's the same way. There's, there's time and time again where that happened. Right. And I've told my girlfriend before, if anything, I, I won't worry about the consequences. If you step into my house, no, that's, it's you're not supposed simple. to be don't, here. Don't it is my job. My house. job is Simple's to defend that. her. Yeah. And absolutely, if I do jail time for defending my my girlfriend afterwards, defending my family, so be yes. it. Yes. But it will not be it will not be a deterrent into exactly. the immediate action. I will just react and do what I've trained to do. Yeah, that's what needs to be done. Absolutely. If the laws need to be revised, then the laws need to be revised because you cannot have a burglar breaking into your house and you going prison for beating up the burglar. That's not the way the law is supposed to work. No, and. You know what the most fun, the, the funniest thing about that is? I don't know if you can tell, but I'm wearing a free hugs T-shirt. So yeah, I am I the saw, type. I saw that. I saw that. I am the type of guy. You know, I'm yeah. the type of guy to hug people I don't know because I want to spread yeah. love. But don't try to fuck with my family. Don't Absolutely. do that. Don't, don't do it. It's like plain don't and do simple. Right? Yeah, plain and simple. I mean, we need to be men about everything. It's not just we pick and choose to be men about something. No. Yeah, we are kind. We want to save lives. Yep. And then uh, we help out people broke it with broken cars on the street. If somebody's broken with a car, I stop my car and I help them out. Right but there with you. 
Yeah, right there with me. But if there are three people sneaking up on me, I'm going to beat the shit out of them. <laughs> I will <laughs> so, defend myself. Broken Absolutely. car and broken yep. people. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. And you have to have a, you know, my favorite psychology uh, psychologist is, um, uh, well, um, Carl Jung. And he always says that for a tree to reach heaven, his roots need to be folding in hell. In hell. They need to come. Yeah. So you need to know, in order to reach heaven, you need to know what you're made of. You need to, to know the atrocities that you're capable of committing. Absolutely. Because it's okay. Like it, there's certain yeah. times in your life, then you might, I hope you never have to do it. But if you have to, it is up to you to own the skills to know how to defend yourself, defend your family. Yeah. Like you said, be the first line of defense. It is our responsibility. Absolutely. True. And for me, I come from, I come from a place in uh, India where I've grown up. We call it the Scotland of India. So, <laughs> yeah, because it's always... It's always gloomy, misty, rainy, you know. So it's a small place called the Kurg, and my family grows coffee. So yeah. over there, there I don't have to worry about burglars, but what I have to worry about is lions, cheetahs, tigers, <laughs> yeah, uh, big cobras and uh, rogue elephants. These are my worries over there in that area. So if you if you put a burglar in there, it's like not matching anywhere you know <laughs> yeah it's not the same type of problems eh? not at all it's it's a minute problem which takes me a couple of minutes to solve so it's not not an issue at all why did you um why did you move from the uk by the way no i was never in uk i've grown up in india oh so oh yes. so when you're saying that you went to uk schools before the podcast is because yes. you were studying in india and they yeah, had UK right. schools down there. Absolutely. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot more sense because for people that know history that don't know history, yeah. India was under English dictatorship, if you can, if you much, can say yeah, it that way much, for, yeah. for a long time. So, yeah. Well, okay, that explains it. But yeah, <laughs> colonialism. Oh, colonialism. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah, yeah. the proper term, I guess. Yeah, for invasion. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're they right. came to our place. They took our resources. They took everything from us, and then uh, call it helping us. <laughs> they wanted you not to be barber barbarism anymore. They they didn't want any barbarism. That's what it is. Absolutely yeah, ridiculous. So, yeah. is your family still down there? Uh yeah, I have I have a lot of family down there still. Yeah, yeah, we we have a lot of uh, properties and lands, and uh, yeah, we my, and it's a. Uh, even even with a small, um, modest analysis, I think I have roughly about 500 family members. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Youch. It's, it's, uh, there's a reason why Indians are the second biggest population in the world. Eh? Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, because I come, I come from a very big family anyway. Um, so all of, all of my, my granny, had 14 siblings. Jeez. Yeah. And that's my dad's side. My mom's side, Rani, she also has about 11 or something. Yeah. So, and they all have kids that have kids and then plenty, plenty of them. <laughs> so, big, big, massive families. Yeah. It must make for a very cool party, though. Uh, it does. It does, actually, because you have, like, when you have wedding and stuff like that. 
there are so many people and that's so much fun, you know, yeah. because it's, it's almost the size of a small township, you know. <laughs> <laughs> how, yeah, it's always an amazing time. How is it to be vegan in that situation? How, how um, does, that can't be if, easy. Everybody asks a lot of questions about why it is wrong. I mean, why, why I went that way and this and that. But then, then I explain to them, then they're like, okay, we understand it. We get it, you know, because all my life, the only way, only reason why I wasn't a vegan before that was because of the same mainstream stuff saying, you know, you need, you need this vitamin, you need that vitamin, which is not available in vegetables and this and that. So, and when I was a kid, right, we didn't eat, consume so much meat. So if you look at a regular family, they would consume meat maybe once a month. And then my family, we would consume meat maybe four times a month because, because we were well-to-do, you know. And then when I was born, my dad used to have a chicken farm. So he used to have broilers which weighed five kilos. So that's the big KFC chicken today, which cannot walk. But he yep. had proper functioning, natural running around big chickens at that time. So I started eating them at an early age. I loved the taste. And I'm like, I just want to eat this every day, you know? So most of my life for 30 years, I've only eaten meat every day, you know? And then because of the common conception, misconception saying, you know, you, you're going to be, if you want to be strong, you better get meat into your system, you know? And that's going to make you a man. It's going to make you bigger, stronger, all of those things. Most people believe that. And uh, that's why even I went into it and I was eating it and everything. And then I'm, I've been into animal rescue for a very long time now. And then I started looking into thing and started questioning my own beliefs. I'm like, bro, on one hand, you're saving animals. On the other hand, you're putting them on your plate by paying somebody to murder them. And you know, it's it's not just it's not it's not just the first only like okay, the last thing is they get killed. But before they get killed, they're born and they live a most miserable life yeah. uh, at the hands of the abusers who are sick in the head because they are forced into a job that they don't want to do, but to make the ends meet, they have to do the job, you know. So I'm like, death is their freedom actually, but even then it's such a cruel thing to do. So why participate in that? Let's just quit it all together and go from there. So that's, that's what I did. I'm like, okay, let's, let's help animals with all my heart without thinking about my own health. So what I did, I just jumped in the deep end of the pool because I didn't know anything about the nutrition aspects or anything. And I just worked my way up from there. Yeah. But so far, one year and 10 months and everything has been, has been phenomenal. Yeah. Have you seen a difference? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the difference initially when I first started off. I'm like, this just feels so much better. More energy levels and uh, like I don't get tired. Well, I've always been on the higher side of stamina and strength. But after this, it was just like almost like superhuman. So I'm like, I don't get tired. I've just got strength, stamina, just Name an hour, name a time, any physical activity, I'll be up to do it. And for, do you think it helps for your endurance on a bike? Mm, definitely would, yeah, definitely would. 
Because that's mm-hmm. that's something that we see quite a lot with endurance athletes that are vegan. Yeah. They normally perform at a very high level, like extremely yeah. high level. They do, yeah, yeah, they do. That's that's what it does. Look, the simple way to explain it is because I've been explaining this um, going why veganism would work for anybody. I'm like, take a car, okay, take a take a race car or any regular car also. You put kerosene into it, the car will work. It's gonna jerk and bang and shut off midway and all of that, but it'll still work and it'll get the job done. Yep. You know, but you upgrade the fuel, you put proper petrol, even if it's a 92 or 90 or whatever, it'll work great. But you go to a higher, higher premium petrol, go to a 95 or a 97, it's gonna perform so good. You're not gonna have any maintenance issues. Your car engine will last 30 years, 40 years, whatever, if you take care of it. You're going to have more more gallons per per uh, uh, more miles per gallon. All of that will happen. So, being a human, why are you putting all of this bad stuff into your body to make somebody richer? You know, and then I, yeah, I don't have an answer to that one. I wonder about that <laughs> all the time too. How yeah. many times have I used that exact analogy to say, would you put crap in your in your car to and expect it to run properly? No. Why the fuck do you do it to your body? It makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. Exactly. So, and then it's not just that, right? Because I'm a believer of karma. You know, I'm a very strong believer of karma. I've no, never wronged anybody, done anything wrong to anybody at all, except for the people who are trying to cause me damage. For them, I give, I give them a good battle to remember. <laughs> <laughs> the way, that's the way it should be, right? I'm not shy about it. I mean, I'm like, okay, I will do anything to help you. But if you try to stab me in the back, I'm going to turn around so quickly and I'm going to destroy you. That's the way it is. So we spend a whole life of torturing animals, violating them, you know, causing the most cruelest nightmares to become a reality for them. And then we think we think we're going to get away with it. No, we're not getting away with it because soon as you hit 30 or 40, then you have all of these problems come to you because you have your cardiovascular diseases going on. You got your obesity, which is out of control. You got diabetes. And if you, cancer is everywhere around every corner. Everybody's getting cancer. So why are you putting stuff in your body, harming other animals also, sentinel beings? You wouldn't do that to a cat. You wouldn't do that to a dog. Why would you do it to a cow when it's the same thing at the end of the day? Because all animals are made to live their life just like humans, parallelly with love, affection, bonding. If you look at a female cow, she's going to go take her calves grazing. If you look at a small squirrel, he's going to go out, find nuts for his kids and bring them home. If you look at the birds, chicken, for example, she's going to teach her chicks how to be warm, where to, where to snuggle up, where to dig earthworms from, eat. All of them live as a family. That's the reason Noah rescued all the animals in pair so that they could go ahead and multiply later on. But if Noah was like, ah, oh, okay, let's have chicken tonight. Let's have that cow tonight. <laughs> no, imagine that, right? Because all the animals with bifurcated feet were available for him. He had elks, mooses, deers, gazelles, everything available to him. So for that four months when he was on the sea, if he would have just been a regular meathead 
and eaten every animal on the boat, there wouldn't be any animals around for us to eat today. <laughs> you know, that's funny. I've read the Bible. I never thought about it that way. That's freaking yeah. funny. That is really funny. Um, we, we've been going for like 41 minutes. Um, I got one question to ask because we're going to have to cut it short. Okay. I think we have to do it. We'll, we'll have to have more talks. I think we have to do lives, you and I together. Definitely, um, yeah. What I have, I ask the same question to everyone I ever speak to. If you could speak to your 14 year old self, what would you tell him? Hmm. I would, I would tell him to just go vegan, actually just go vegan. And then uh, it, it just makes you a stronger person being vegan than being a meat flake, you know, and just eating all the meat and causing all the cruelty because, you know, the, look, if you, if you want to be kind, it takes strength. It takes courage to be kind. It doesn't take strength and courage to be cool. And that's what most people are. They, they're just cool. They're funding the cruelty and everything. And you just, just go vegan and save all the animals that you can. But I would still continue to be the man that I am today which is still riding motorcycles, still driving amazing rally cars every day and still being the same guy that everybody wants to hate. But somewhere in there, there's some love saying that, okay, that guy's actually living my dream. You know, I look up to him in some way. <laughs> See, I, I'm not a hater of you, man. I love the way you speak. I love the way you're living. Good for you. I hope you, can, you get to do it for another 50 years, man. Thank you. Really appreciate it uh thank you for your time i i appreciate you taking the time it's amazing that technology allows us to speak from canada to dubai freaking Absolutely. amazing but it's yeah great. thank you very much i really really appreciate your time great thank you so much nico pleasure to be here my pleasure bye